Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 commercial-free minutes for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, according to CNN, this is Safe Harbor Day. It says uh, December 8th under the Electoral Count Act is the date by which states are meant to have counted the votes, settled disputes and determined the winner of their electoral college voters. So votes. So that then leads to voting day, which is December 14th. And CNN throughout their article, of course, says like, Trump's hopes are fading and fading and fading. But I think it was December 12th, 2000, or even later than that, that the Gore-Bush case went to the Supreme Court and was still being adjudicated. So I don't there. There's nothing that stops further action. And of course, we still might have what you had I said all along. Contingent. They haven't. Uh, whatever they I know I, it's such a weird contingent on what I don't know it's just called a contingent election yeah. and well, it doesn't, if yeah. some of the states get invalidated by a Supreme Court of that state or yeah. they get thrown out then that could take Biden under 270 which would yeah. still result in that contingent election scenario yeah. so this says if on January 6th when they officially count the electoral votes in Congress if nobody has 270 they do what you said, which is, and you could actually have a Trump Kamala White House. Is that the thing? That that, that was the suggestion that I, I I had pondered about before. But that would be if the if the the Democrats yeah. would have to control the Senate and the Republicans would. Oh, they would. I thought it was the opposite. Okay. No, in the House, it's not everybody gets a vote. They vote in state blocks in the yeah. House. So the the and and the house picks the president so the republicans yeah. would have the advantage there and the oh but it's by state yeah right right okay yeah okay so the house and the would senate pick would pick the vp and senate we don't know yet because we won't know till january 5th yeah i find that interesting that both those dates kind of come at the same time yeah well i'm guessing they set the runoff as late as they could before that red letter date and i guess they swear in but the election on January 5th would have to be totally undisputed. That's a good point. So we really don't know. This is this continues to be interesting. I mean, I don't know what's in store and I don't know how much of it is actually planned out. But I do know that it won't. Well, I feel like it's not really going to matter, given that we do have these trillion dollar deficits and no personal liberty. I don't I don't know. It's an interesting exercise in storytelling that they're putting on, not just nationwide, but worldwide, engaging, trying to engage as much of the population as possible politically. They have to be the best thing on television with people locked down in their homes. People are going to go, they're going to watch movies and they're going to go to the thing that intrigues them and engages them the most. And right now, politics is definitely winning. Now, that could also be partly because a lot of the things on TV aren't very good right now and they're not making anything new. So we have very little to go to, but this daytime soap opera of politics. And even the sports is lame. Really lame. And in that higher side chats I was talking about yesterday, Nora Gedgaudis was saying how the stress that that news, she just went into a lot of, she has a lot of research on health, I guess. 
And it was crazy because I was like, what does she know about aging? She can't be a day over 40. She's like going to be 60 next year. Who so, is this? This is Nora Getgaudis, who is the latest higher side chat. And she talks about nutrition and all this stuff. But she also talks about stress and health and aging. Yeah. And one of the things she was saying was how the most stressful thing that can happen to you are these like being peppered with like isolated bites that don't really have any kind of coherence. And it's about stuff that is scary to you and there's nothing you can do about it. She said that and there's no news value in it, that there's news value in what we do, but no news value in that because it's just stuff that's completely out of your control and totally scary. And I thought, wow, so many of the things that they are doing right now, and she's talking about masks and um, the just so many things would, according to the kind of non-infectious myth theory, make you sicker, including that. So they've got everything, the, the stresses, the medical approaches, the recommendations. And that is, I think this, they want us to watch the news. And it went, and I thought immediately of what you had said from the beginning, like they're shutting down everything that you could watch instead. Yeah. Or and do. people have nothing but the news to go to. And I've seen reliable sources, Brian Stelter, talk about how people have been watching more news than ever. He talked about it enthusiastically as though it were a good thing when it's really what is poisoning and people's minds I mean, right now. This is not news to anyone, but when I was listening, I was listening to Fox headlines on Sirius this morning, which is how I just kind of like see what's on top of mind. I mean, the pro vaccine propaganda was just shocking and they are not talking about any of the stuff. I wondered if some of these things that were going across my screen about the vaccines from questioning the PCR test. Well, that's not about the vaccine, but that the um, petition to slow down this thing to see if there were actually fertility impacts. Some of the stuff I had read about Moderna, all of these things are totally legitimate. I mean, there's real questions about it and they they completely ignore it. They don't talk about the vulnerabilities that you were telling me about, about like old people taking it. Why don't they talk at all about some of those genuine concerns? Wouldn't that be newsworthy? They censor legitimate questions that they themselves, in many cases, they being the scientists and the politicians, have raised concerns about. Yet as someone in the public raises those concerns on social media, they're called an anti-vaxxer, they're slammed. And oftentimes the media or the politicians don't have to do it because the social media mob will do it for them to that point. It was reported that a former employee of Pfizer, he claims that the Pfizer COVID vaccine could cause female sterilization, possibly. There was a fact check done on this. Here's what their fact check did. The claim, according to Snopes, is, quote, the head of Pfizer research said that COVID-19 vaccine developed by the pharmaceutical company is female sterilization. And that's the key right there, the way, the way they frame that is female sterilization. Here is what they said. They said that Yeadon and German physician Wolfgang Woodarg sent a letter to the European Medicines Agency calling on EMA to halt the clinical trials of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine in the EU. In the letter, it stated that the Pfizer vaccine blocks protein that's key to the formation of placenta in mammals, and they claimed that it's possible 
it's possible women who receive the vaccine could become infertile. However, they did not state as facts that the vaccine causes sterility as the health and money news headline suggested. So they grabbed the health and money <laughs> news headline, which said that they claimed it did sterilize and they, they did probably- a fact ask them to publish that headline. It's unbelievable because people who just read the headline and just read the fact check false, absolutely false, never realize that Snopes actually confirms the concern in the article that it could it could be something that causes sterilization. Maybe that's why they're just giving it to old people because that would be a side effect that would not be right. noticed. I had similar thought. So if the first, yeah, if the first wave is old people, because I thought that, I'm sure my kids are going to be eager to get it because it's going to improve their lives. And I was thinking that if they then, if they wait 90 days, then maybe there'll be more information, whatever. But if the first round of people are in a totally unrelated demographic that will not address that specific thing, they're not really going to get the information that I would hope they would have by then. We are excited to bring this extended shout out to you from Molly. She's a patron saint and a big fan of the show, and she has a very important message she'd like to get out there. Molly wants people to know that there's a toxic heavy metal called gadolinium in the contrast injection you get when you get an MRI, and some people have a devastating reaction to it. You can find out more about that by looking into the experience of Chuck Norris and his wife, Gina, who, like Molly, are trying to raise awareness of this serious issue. Gadolinium is a rare earth mineral that's not found isolated in nature. Yet because of MRIs, it's now in our environment and can accumulate in our bodies. The long-term effects of using this heavy metal in the millions of MRIs that are done every year are not yet known. Molly just wants people to know the risks involved in getting this injection and to learn more about the possible impact this practice may have on us all. Knowledge is power, so learn more about gadolinium in MRIs at Molly's website, www.mrimmunity.com. MRIDie.com. That's www.mridye.com. One more quick thing about that fact check is they went on to say, Snopes did, that we reached out to Pfizer for comment, but didn't receive a response in time for publication. So they debunked something. <laughs> when did that thing come out that they were debunking? I believe it was you know, recent. I, I don't have a date. Yeah, I think it's recent, very yeah. recent. So, I mean, how long they didn't want an answer because Pfizer's answer would have to be. Well, it's kind of right. Yeah. Well, I think Pfizer's answer is we have not yet. We don't know. We don't have the data. Exactly. I think they have the data. I think they just haven't released it. Maybe. And to another point that you made a second ago, there there was a coronavirus town hall. There was a bunch of CDC people out of a panel discussion who voted. There were CDC vaccine advisors, and they were voting on who should receive the vaccine first. It was not a unanimous vote. There, And they were voting on whether or not Older people and people who are most vulnerable should receive it. One odd woman out, Dr. Helen Keep of Vanderbilt University, voted against it, against giving it to elderly people, or she wasn't for it all the way. She said, I still struggle with this. This is not an easy vote. She's worried about whether the vaccine would even work in such frail and vulnerable patients. And even more, she worried how it might look if the vaccine failed in that group or how it would affect public perception if residents died soon after getting the vaccine. With that said, we had the first person getting vaccinated, a 92-year-old woman. This very well could happen, what she's saying. And also, I feel like, first of all, this goes right along with what seems to be uh, geriatricide as a policy and that 
maybe they'll then start reclassifying these deaths as heart attacks, old age, whatever, which not only will mask the impact of the vaccinations or make it appear that the rate of COVID is going backwards, but it would also replenish the depleted heart attack counts that have been transferred over to COVID. So I wouldn't put it past them to be just one step ahead of us on this. That's a good point. I feel like that goes back to the report from Iron Mountain stuff. I have a few war analogies here. One is that one of the goals of report from Iron Mountain, which the subtitle was on the possibility and desirability of peace, it talks about all the functions that war serves and the advantages and disadvantages to the hierarchy, the status quo of having war and how nuclear weapons really impairs their ability to just start wars every 20 years. And how is that going to affect them if there's a substitute? And they said, well, one of the downsides of a regular war is that it takes all the young people, the healthy people, and it kills them. What you really want to kill is the sick people and the old people. I've talked about this before, and that is exactly what this is doing. But there were a couple of other things I noticed that this has a parallel with, and I, I'm not, again, it was this Nora Gedgaudis interview I was listening to where she was saying how the COVID policy has been so devastatingly regressive on the poor of the world and even in Western countries and stuff that people have just been devastated by it. And it made me think about the Great Reset. I've thought about like the Great Reset being an economic reset so that like when you when you're running out of runway on this can kicking of economic growth and you need to start looking like you are a healthy growing company again, resetting demand to like a negative letter level or a lower level can really help with those optics and those analyses and and look like it's justifying what you just did, which was wipe out the backbone of small business and the middle class and just, you know, shore up corporations with government money. Like that is part of the Great Reset. But another way perhaps to think about the Great Reset is think about how this is big philanthropy too. It's not even just big government, which relies on the excuse of welfare. It's big philanthropy, which is established, it says, purely for welfare. And in some of these scenarios, they talk about how big philanthropy will be the de facto world government. Now, What's a reset? Like, what is a reboot? What happens when you reset something? If you reset the counter on your stopwatch, when you reset it, where does it go? Where does it restart? Zero. Yeah, it starts at zero. So if you take people and like so many people have the savings and stuff, if you own a small business, they're going to go bankrupt. But in the meanwhile, they're going to reset to zero. Same thing with poverty. And the fiscal insecurity of people, if they're resetting, truly resetting the world, they're bringing people back down to zero. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're totally dependent on them. And then you go out and you give them uh, your priority in, in, quote, helping them is to subsidize them getting vaccinations, which are untested. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. But and there was one more parallel to war. Yeah, that's the thing about the those yeah, vaccinations. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen with them. They could be great. They could be bad. But the fact is they have openly admitted that they have not done a, a study, a clinical trial like they did, and that there are legitimate concerns. They've said that. And I would be concerned if somebody was trying to put that in my arm. I'm telling you, my fish tank is a perfect <laughs> object lesson to not expose the entire population to an environmental factor that you haven't at least tested pretty thoroughly. Anyway, but uh, the, another parallel with war is, I think, uh, I was listening to a song 
a Christmas song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Remember that song, I'll Be Home for Christmas? Of course, yeah. Do you know what it's about? Coming back from war? Right. Because he says, if only in my dreams. He's not coming back. He's not going to be home. He's only going to be home in his dreams. Why? Because of the war. So I tweeted about that. And I, I don't know if I, I, I think I tweeted it, tweeted it before I, you know, I wrote a note in my calendar to like tweet it, whatever, because I was in the car. And when I went to mass the next day, the priest said, I wish I were more creative and I would rewrite some of these Christmas songs, such as I would change it to I'll be, I'll stay home for Christmas. I'll stay home for Christmas. <laughs> and I thought, wow. And as he said Christmas songs, I looked over to my family and I was like, I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home. There. And then he started talking about it. They're like, how did you know he was going to say that? I'm like, because I was thinking about it already. <laughs> it was already. So the war analogy that you have to make this sacrifice and not be home for Christmas, like this stuff does not stop. Ever since getting to know the people and products at True Hemp Science, I have made CBD products a highly rewarding part of my life. From muscle rub to body lotion to CBD oil and my absolute favorite, gluten-free brownies, I have incorporated CBD products into my own approach to personal well-being. To find out more about CBD products in general and True Hemp Science products in particular, including their latest offering of gummies, check out their website and request a free personal consultation at truehempscience.com slash report yeah now it's i'll be home for christmas because cuomo mandated it and who knows maybe you're right about the next war coming from with china i mean the I, themes I, are in the news anyway yeah, there, the there's a hardcore the push in the news four stories or so in the past couple of days that are speaking to that theme one of them was a video that tucker carlson showed last night the video was allegedly of a Chinese professor, an economics professor who was speaking what looked like to be at a university to me. But the gist of what he was saying, and I don't understand Chinese, that I'm just going based on what the subtitle said and what Tucker said, they verified them. I don't know. But this is what they said. Basically, that Wall Street has had a major impact in controlling U.S. policy since the 70s and that China controls in large parts. They have people in the inside circles of power of Wall Street and in, in politics in America. And through Wall Street, China has got favorable legislation and favorable favorable policy towards China. And that, that all changed in 2016 when Trump was elected because he was combative with Wall Street. Wall Street didn't like it. They couldn't control Trump. And therefore... Joe Biden comes along. They started talking to the, the professor, then talked about Hunter Biden. He said, you've heard Trump talk about Hunter Biden, his foundation, his connections with, with us. Well, who do you think gave him or helped him build up his foundation, implying that they did? And there was a round of applause in the studio. It basically just confirmed all of what the belief is about Hunter and that Biden would be in China's pocket. And it continued to put China up there as a villain, as our enemy in a, in a coming war. And then we have a video that Lynn Wood tweeted out the day before of some weird, it was really strange video that in the, the subtitles suggested that Lynn Wood, Trump, and others need to be taken out. Today, there's a story about Representative Eric Swalwell of the House Intel Committee being being the victim of 
sexpionage. I don't know if he engaged in that, but I do know that the the Chinese honeypot worked in his campaign. She infiltrated local politicians who seemed to have a bright future, and she got really engaged at the local level so that she could latch on to the ones that when they did get get more prominent, she could have influence, and she put someone in his office that worked with him for a number of years, and he hasn't talked to her, and he says six years, but he says he won't comment on the story. And this is an Axios story, by the way. This is not a right-wing publication that broke the story. This is Axios. The spy's name is Fang Fang. Fang <laughs> Fang. That's perfect. And the article well, actually, reveals a lot of their methods, too. Do what? Actually makes sense to me that's Axios, because the real story in my mind about the Bidens and I actually, by coincidence, really just by coincidence this morning, because all this Biden stuff and China is just, you know, constantly a big theme on the kind of top level headlines was his was was what actually happened with the Hunter Biden stuff. They there was a New York Post article, which is where I had read it the first time, Peter Schweitzer, but it was years ago, like in 2016 or something or 2017 when he wrote a book. This is from October of this year. The Post published it again. It's inside Hunter Biden's murky, murky history of business dealings in China. And it talks about how his company with Christopher Hines and Devin Archer and James Bulger III, which it doesn't even write in this article. So, you know, they pull their punches. No choice about that. In Rosemont Seneca, which is their actual financial investment arm, that it was potentially a billion dollar windfall when they formed a Chinese investment company with the state-owned bank of China called Bohai Harvest RST. So there's real meat on the bones of how those guys are benefiting. However, I will say this. They act like the that you have to actually be in the pocket. So Biden actually has to give return to China. I've seen this happen a couple of times, and I suspected this is what happened with Scaramucci. Scaramucci got this. Remember that guy, Scaramucci, Anthony Scaramucci, who was in the White House? Yeah, he's a CNN commentator now. He 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 bashes Trump on CNN all the time. Yeah, he went to Davos and told those guys in 2017, like, don't worry, Trump isn't what you think he is. I don't know what he really meant, but but while he was in this brief stint in the White House, he took his company, which I I you know, I would wonder if it was a piece of dog crap like Harvey Weinstein's company, and he sold it to the Chinese for two hundred million dollars, if my memory serves me correctly. So and I saw another person do something like that too. Take a political position and parlay it into influence with China and in I would argue in both of those cases, or I'd speculate that in both of those cases, there wasn't really any influence. There's just the appearance of influence. And if you know things are going to go in the right direction anyway, you can act like you're the one who's doing it, like Rick Singer did for the college varsity blues thing. He told them that he was going to get their daughter into college, the Janulis. She was going to get in anyway. So he took their money and he got in anyway. And another, I read a book by Gregory Harms called Straight Power Concepts, which although he has written books about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, which has absolutely is not going to make Israelis happy, he says ultimately the idea that they run this country isn't really right because the the guys who, are, who take money from them are simply taking money for stuff that's going to happen anyway because it's in our interest, depending yeah. oil companies, defense industries, finance, to have Israel as a base there. So they'll take the money 
from people who think that they're, you know, claim helping. credit. Yeah. 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 And so I think the, the, way, the way I read it with the Bidens, I, I think they do facilitate like in IMF money, World Bank money, like that's how it happened in Ukraine. And maybe they do. Maybe as Newland says, Biden gives them an attaboy. Yeah. But I don't I don't I think that the smaller picture here is actually where the money changes hands. Now, I don't have to tell you or anyone listening that the news is biased. All news is biased. Whether intentional or unintentional, there's always at least some level of bias in the news that we consume. And this bias does impact how we see the world. Fortunately, Ground News is making it a lot easier for us to quickly recognize this bias. Ground News is a new app that provides readers with objective data about the underlying political bias in all published news stories. It's the first ever news comparison platform. Here's how it works. Ground News collects data from over 50,000 news sources and runs a real-time media bias tracking. Then, the coverage bias rating is visually shown alongside the story. For every story that you read, you can compare how reporting differs across sources with different political biases and see if the coverage of the story skews more to the left or more to the right. Now, Ground News represents a larger movement of people who are fed up with traditional, highly politicized news. No one wants to be spoon-fed ideas or subtly influenced in covert ways. What Ground News does is gives the power to the people so that you can make up your own mind. If you want to learn more and try out Ground News for yourself, and I highly recommend that you do, head on over to ground.news slash prop. That's ground.news slash prop and enter the code prop that's spelled P-R-O-P in all caps to get one month free of Ground News Pro. And as an exclusive limited time offer, listeners of the Propaganda Report will get 20% off Ground News premium membership. So what are you waiting for? Get on over to ground.news slash prop and start judging the truth for yourself today. The China thing, what I notice is that this is, an, to me, a major, major propaganda campaign to – what advertising campaign to get us to want to go to uh, some sort of war with China. We're in an information war with China right now. And from World War One, how we advertised America got us into a war that after the war, people were disillusioned, didn't want to get into. I don't know what's true and what's not true in regards to all the China stuff, but – I would just step back and question it if you really want to support an actual war because that's what's being marketed to us right now. And they're trying to do it by using bipartisan political waging within domestic bipartisanness to get us to want war with China. The only objection I have to that narrative, and I'm not saying it's the narrative that you're pushing, but I would call it uh, like a facile narrative in the mainstream. It facilitates. It's easy is this idea that it's what you see is what you get, that that there are people at the top in this country who are calling the shots, who are pushing this thing out, who want war with China. Mostly, it seems like because they hate China or they will benefit from it. But I don't see it that way. I think that both with what's happening in Hong Kong, where what we're doing in what we're all the media is covering it like there's unrest in Hong Kong and um, we're on their side and you've got like basketball coaches wading into one of their biggest markets by alienating. I mean, that just didn't make sense to me. And in fact, what I think I, I am still think that it's probably going to benefit China in the long run, that they will accelerate their merger with Hong Kong. And similarly, the Chinese CDC was at 
event 201 shoulder to shoulder with the US CDC and that our the same thing that we're doing with COVID which is we are resetting our economic debt crisis they're doing the exact same thing the exact same thing so we collude and collude and maybe we're colluding for a cold war maybe we're colluding for a hot war we we gave Russia nukes to make the cold war viable I mean, yeah. that it's got, I think it's a parallel with that, if anything. That's why I'm suggesting, like, take a step back because I, I believe the same thing. I believe this is more likely a world economic forum in control. People who are, who see themselves above nation states using the countries as pawns. Yeah. It's hopeless to get the people who want the wars. I mean, I remember when people said, Oh, you're moving to Texas. Ron Paul's from Texas. Like, that's so great. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. A libertarian paradise. People would, I remember one guy's mom, like totally soft, cuddly, literally had like homemade cookies in her hands. And I had a Ron Paul t-shirt on. She's like, he is dangerous. His foreign policy is dangerous. Like his foreign policy of peace is dangerous. (laughs) Those people, those people, you know, so you can convince people in Texas that we need to bomb the Middle East, especially Iraq and Iran, for something Afghanistan and Yemen did with our knowledge as far as the official story is concerned. So for me, I, you're, people are going to fall for that war thing. It's one of the, the numerous reasons I'm like basically hopeless or totally hope. I think it's completely hopeless within the framework. I just I feel like the libertarian like movement within the framework I think you know, it feels like we we have to kick through the board, as they say, to yeah. try because people are going to buy the war nonsense. You had a story about Paris. Oh, yeah. Have you heard about all the unrest in Paris right now? The violence, the... Uh, I haven't heard much about it. Anti-cop. It's their violent protests against a security law. And uh, police brutality, so that people are protesting. It's people with weird masks on. Looks a little Antifa-like. They all have the uniform with the hoodie and just straight out of the George Soros flyers from maybe eight or ten years ago. They say the yellow vests are there. I don't know where the real grassroots movement begins and the agitators uh you know, begin from there. But I just found it interesting because the the cops beat a black man, a black movie producer last month, and that sparked a bunch of riots. So now they have a security law that is, I think it prevents people from photographing the police and um, increases their surveillance so that they can suppress police hatred online. So it looks like they promoted this false flag and used it as an excuse to put in the same surveillance measures they've been angling for for years. I've been covering France's attempts at increased security uh, surveillance measures for years. I just wanted to read a quick um, quote from Macron. France has been hit by a wave of street protests after the government introduced a security bill in parliament that set out to increase its surveillance tools and restrict uh, circulating images of police officers in the media and online. Um, Actually, Macron just said the protesters were crazy people and the, and the, 
Antifa types, the protester types, which just remind me so much of stuff that's going on here. They're historically the protests in France are like unions. They're about regulations, about wages, stuff like that. So that is, I think, fairly organic. And this just switched, just like the guy on the Rockfin video was saying how like we're about race. So that's why we're anti-vax now. These guys are like, we're about race. We're about liberty. Uh, we're about jobs, and that goes along with liberty and race. So that's why we're here. So that's how they got union people out. It's just feels like another one of those baskets, but also false flags and provocations. And what I found most interesting was that they have racist police brutality over there, whereas here we blame it all on this history of slavery and that kind of thing. And does that is that catching? You know, I just don't. These things are all international. They're all parallel. It's hard to believe they're organic. Yeah. And even if they are organic, there's always attempts to to co-op and subvert them. Even yes. if, like you said, you don't, it's hard to tell where the organic st- stops and the co-op begins. And I have a shout out, which I think folds into what I was saying earlier. Like I kind of have given up on the actual framework and the process. I think it's good for us to communicate and... Uh, brainstorm. So I want to give Reed Janaya's a shout out. She says, you know, beating the system is futile. If you are in Washington state and are interested in creating our own economy and ensuring you can always access necessities outside of the beast system, let's connect. Message me at the Patreon account at uh, Janaya. All right. That's awesome. So Janaya frequently comments on our posts. Yeah. So you can just go and look on the Patreon posts and connect with Shania because that actually remind, reminds me of the Iron Web book by Larkin Rose where it's like agorism. You just trade with these people if you can. You try, you know, you try to yeah. make sure that there's a network, a web, and it's totally decentralized. I like the idea. Fantastic. In the Patreon 15, I want to tell you what Yale's top quotes of the year are. I think that you will... I think you'll find them interesting. I'm really I, I'm really in the mood for that. I think it'll give me a laugh. That certainly will. If it doesn't make you cry, it'll give you a laugh. <laughs> you guys can find your drive time news blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We also do virtual parties and lots of other fun stuff. You can, you can also find some of our deep dive video content on rockfin.com if you want to check that out. And we will talk to you guys in the Patreon 15. It is Share the Show Tuesday. So share the show with a friend, a family member for Christmas. Frame it as in, for Christmas, I'm going to share the show. (laughs) We will talk to y'all on Patreon 15 or tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.